good, but the presence of God is here. Amen. So, so glad to be here with you guys. I got my Bible and my notes, and we're going to do this thing. So let me bring you back to summer 2019. I'm 28 years old. I'm on a vacation in Cancun, Mexico with my family, Abby, celebrating my mom's birthday. I find myself enjoying great food, sunshine, great company, yet I still find myself feeling the same way I did back home. Unfortunately, you bring you with you everywhere you go, even on vacation. You don't really get a break, right? And unfortunately for me, that looked like severe depression. And so depression doesn't care if you're on vacation or on a beautiful beach or not. Depression really doesn't care, honestly, who you even are, right? Are you a Christian? Are you not? You can be hit with it too. So it doesn't really discriminate. And at this point in my life, I had been going to counseling for a whole whopping four months, which for me felt like a really long time. And I thought, surely this kind of process is that it just keeps going up and up, right? I'm doing the things. I'm breathing in the fresh air. If there's sunshine, I try to enjoy it. Um, Had a happy light. Like I did all the things, right? Like you tell me a list of ways to fix my life and I'm going to try it, right? And unfortunately for me, I did all those things and I prayed and I fasted and I talked to people. I'm in counseling, right? All the things. And then what's happening as I'm going home from this vacation on the plane ride, I had my first panic attack on the plane ride, not really knowing what to call it, but the feeling of like you're dying, right? Those of you who have experienced it. And so as I got home for the next week, I had my first experience of suicidal thoughts and this over, like overarching, super convincing narrative of just like, well, my life has to end. And people ask me when I shared this story, but why? What was going on in your life? And For me, there was nothing to point to it that would make sense, right? It's, And we all have a story and it all looks different. But for me, it was life was good, but yet I felt this way, right? And I felt so awful. And it was this really, really convincing story that the enemy was painting for me, of course. But because it was so powerful, I started listening and I really started making this agreement like, okay, there's no other way. And so... I didn't want to share that with anybody at first um, because it's a really scary thing to say out loud. And it still is for me even now. So here we are. Um, But I know there's power in sharing what we're going through because other people in the room are too, and you're not alone. And God is with you. And I'm here. Surprise. Um, But it was, it was very alarming and very shocking, right? And so I had, I would have never imagined that I would be as often with our struggles, we never imagine to be going through the thing that we're going through, right? The thing, the exact thing that we're suffering with, we're like, that one thing I would choose not to go through. I'll take your struggle, I'll take yours, right? Um, but we don't want to go through that one that we have. And so for me, people always saw me as just like, oh my gosh, you're so bubbly and you seem so happy, right? That seam. Um, and so it's like, it didn't make sense. And honestly, it didn't make sense to me either, but that was what I was going through. And so life came to a place where I was like, this is not how things were supposed to be. I would have never planned, guessed, or anticipated that my life would look the way it had. So many disappointments, so many pains, so much despair, so much loss had filled my life. But that's not the end of my story, and it's not the end of yours. So what about you? What do you do with the pain in your life? Where is God in the pain in your life? And why does he allow it? 
You gave me a good topic. <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that you are king above all kings. Thank you that you reign and you're real and you're so good and you love these people. You love us, God. I just thank you that that is the truth. That is the ultimate truth, that you love us and you care for us and you are so, so good. I thank you, God, for as Kari even prayed this morning, that we would lean into your goodness, not knowing what this year holds, but knowing that you are holding us, God, and that you are with us and you go before us. Jesus, I pray that as I share the word, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to hearts, that you would encourage hearts, that you would lift up heavy burdens and that you would give them joy, God. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that um, your, I thank you, God, that your word is true and it will not return void. I thank you, God, that that is true. I pray that your word would pierce through our hearts and our ideas and our thoughts of who you are and just Tell us who you are, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that even now you're doing a work in this room. You're doing a work in our heart. Your spirit is here, and we have nothing to fear because you go before us. So we just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we are going to be reading James 1, 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The inevitability of pain. <laughs> there it is. It's great. English is not my first language. <laughs> that was the one word. I'm, okay. Um, I just love how God is always so honest with us, right? Through James, he tells us that we will have many trials, not a couple or that you might every now and then. And trials are best translated as tests, pains, sufferings. James says also whenever. So they're going to come and whenever you do, this is what you do, right? So it's not a matter of if you will go through trials or hard things, but when. And I don't mean to say this to scare you off in this new fabulous year of, you know, be like, walk on your toes or don't step on eggshells. Again, with the different kind of analogies in English, they don't really translate. Um, or like you're waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm not saying like that, but rather I want to encourage you to not be surprised when the suffering comes. Suffering is an inescapable reality of the human experience. A pain-free life is a flawed view of life. It's a non-existent life. It's a Disney fairy tale created to escape the world's problem. You might like Disney. Personally, I don't. Long, long lines. If it's hot, you're just like sweaty and you're uncomfortable and you're waiting for two hours for a ride. I would like it if I had like the celebrity experience. Like get me in there and get me on the, I love the rides, but just the waiting, the, you know, the expensive food that's kind of average. Um, sorry, it just, for, but that's my personal opinion. You know, I don't want to be too controversial on my first sermon. Um, but it was created as an escape, right? Which is great. We need fun things. So whatever in your mind is that thing, right? That you're like, that's my Disneyland. It's not real because even at Disney, there's pain, right? And so when pain comes, our faith is shaken and we start to doubt God. So you might be here sitting here thinking, I don't have any trials. It's 2023. I got myself a fresh new start. I'm leaving all of that behind in 2022. 
But when James is talking about trials of many kinds, he is really talking about many kinds of pains. So internal and external. So fears. Will I ever get married? Can I get a witness? (laughs) Still asking that question. Will my kids love Jesus? Will I continue to love Jesus? Will he sustain me? Doubts. Does God really love me? Did God really choose me? Can I really trust him? Is he real? Is he actually as good as you claim he is? Is he actually sovereign? Because if he was, why would he allow me as a Christian to have suicidal thoughts, right? Why would that even be an option in my head? So what do you do with those things? What do you do with your doubts? Sickness of your body, of your mind, mental illness, you name it. Betrayal. The one that was committed to love you for life walks away. The best friend you trusted completely walks out with no explanation. You experience death in your family, in your friends. You experience the loss of a job. You have physical trials. You have a chronic illness that just won't go away and there's no explanation to why you feel the way you do and why you have the pain that you do. Financial trials. This is a very chipper morning. Happy New Year, everybody. (laughs) Financial trials. There just never seems to be enough money, and everybody has more than me. Loss of your home. Loss of a dream. Loss of the life you thought you would have. Loss of fill-in-the-blank, right? I don't have to convince you this morning that you're walking through hard things right now or that you have walked through them. You might be feeling tempted right now even to minimize your suffering because you automatically start comparing it to other people's suffering and pain. I can do that to kind of cope and calm myself down, either as a way to cope with the discomfort of our own pain or just because that's what you've always done. Saying, my life isn't so bad as so-and-so or so-and-so. I don't have it that bad, right? And we're thinking we're doing ourselves um, a service, but we're doing ourselves a massive disservice. Because what you're going through is real and God sees it and he's walking with you through it. And all you're doing when you're minimizing your pain is you're prolonging your own pain by refusing to acknowledge it. And it's a way that we actually declare our own self-sufficiency. If I'm really just okay, then why would I need a rescuer? Why would I need a savior? But when we own our pain and declare our need for a savior saying, I really can't make myself better, will myself better, do anything to get myself out of the situation other than surrender to him and be in a posture of humility before Jesus and allow him to do only what he can do through our pain, which is bring beauty from ashes. There is true freedom in Jesus. And so when I was walking through this major pit of despair, I, again, like I was saying, I did all these things to get myself out, right? But nothing I did would get me out. And that's a terrifying place to be when you're just like, well, I did all the things, so maybe the conclusion that I originally thought, which is very dark, maybe that's the answer, right? So you're not thinking clearly. You're not 
um, being sober-minded in that way, right? God wants us to live and he made us to live. So that's the truth. That's what we need to cling to, right? So then that's more what we need to argue with. So it's like, no, 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 you don't agree with the lie that is trying to take you out, right? You gotta argue it with God's truth. But what ended up happening was I reached out to a bunch of my friends in community and in church and just shared honestly where I was at. And those people of God were there and prayed. And I truly believe that it was like their covering and their persistency and prayer and reaching out is like, yeah. What sustained me? It's real. It's really real. And I'm so grateful to God because he put those people in my life and he used them and his spirit of God to rescue me. Yeah, you can't really will yourself out of some situations, but you can surrender to God and just trust in him and trust and wait and he will rescue you. Thanks, Jasmine. She told me she would clap if I awkwardly paused. (laughs) It's a ride or die right there. I just needed a moment for Jesus. I was like, whoo, you know, you start thinking about your story and you can live it and then you're talking about it and you're just like, dang, he did that. He's really that good. And so he's better than we can imagine. All right, transition statement. Uh, So... Maybe your tendency is to stamp a Bible verse on your pain and call it good. That is also my often go-to. I grew up in an awesome Christian household, and my parents are believers, and I'm super, super blessed right here. There you go. Super blessed by that and thankful to Jesus. Um, But yet, again, like, wherever your situation is, you're going to have pain, right? We already established that. Um, And so it's like going through life, you just— I grew up knowing the Bible, and so then my tendency was just to kind of like put a Bible verse on it and call it a day, call it good. Like, nope, if I'm feeling anxious or whatever, what I um, contributed to as a bad emotion, I would just find a Bible verse and be like, there's no reason to feel this way, instead of looking at the emotion and having emotional like maturity and um, knowing that God gave us emotions, right? I didn't do that. So I was like, oh, I'm anxious. God's word says, do not be anxious. So I'm going to stop, right? So that's how I stamped the Bible on it. And so even this passage from James talking about considering it pure joy, it could be an easy stamp for us, right? Misinterpreting it to mean something it doesn't. But you can't just stop at the considerate pure joy statement. You have to keep reading. And that takes us to point two the potential of pain. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your trials, pain, suffering, everything you're going through, everything you've gone through, everything you're going to go through, it has a purpose. There is meaning. There is meaning in the pain. So much meaning. Let that come for you. The testing of your faith, because let's be honest, pain is an extreme test of pain. It produces perseverance. And that's why James tells us to consider it pure joy, because if we allow it, the testing of our faith will produce perseverance, which means perseverance means to continue without stopping in spite of opposition or discouragement. Perseverance here in James also means steadfastness, which means to be firmly fixed in place, immovable, 
not subject to change. So we all know and love Rosa Parks, right? Um, she's amazing. What she did for um, civil rights movement, and really she was the one, she's the one who stayed on the bus and didn't give up her seat in a public bus when um, African-American people and white people had to be segregated. And one day she said, I'm not going to go to the back of the bus, right? And she stayed and she persevered. And what ended up happening is it really ignited the civil rights movement in the United States of America. She persevered, and now she's known as the mother of the civil rights movement. She's really amazing. And then we got Thomas Edison, less epic. I, I don't know his religious beliefs. I hope, I don't, I was like, I should check if we've canceled him at one point. Like Rosa Parks is amazing. Thomas Edison, we'll just say a quick note. He was making the lights that we see. Well, not these, but you know, he was coming up with how to make light bulbs. And him and his crew tried th over like 3,000 times. I am a give up after the first time, right? And so he persevered. And now I'm like, I love lighting. I love good lighting. Good lighting will change an atmosphere. It will make a sacred place spiritual. So it's really great. Yeah. But pain will either make you, going back to our potential of pain, it will make you either mature and wise and humble and look like Jesus, or it can make you better, harden you and destroy your life. He's going to make me sound really spiritual. Okay, have you ever met someone that is just like the absolute sweetest, kindest, most compassionate, gloriously wonderful, generous person? And then you get to know their story and it is like marked and filled with suffering. And you think like, how? How are you the way you are, right? They let pain do a work that it was supposed to do in them. They allowed it. And then have you met that person at the store who's yelling at the Trader Joe's wonderful clerk that gives you free flowers sometimes because the JoJo's are gone, right? You don't want to be like that. But pain will either harden you or it will make you soft and beautiful and into the image of Christ, which is our goal here today. I mean, you're here on New Year's Day. That's really amazing. You guys are awesome. I'm just like the real Christians in the room, as Matthew would say. <laughs> Whatever I say, I can blame on Matthew. It's good. He disciples me. And that's why James instructs us here on what kind of posture and attitude to take towards the pain that you're currently experiencing. Consider it pure joy. Consider means to evaluate. Think about your trial. It is producing something in you that is so precious and really can't be produced any other way. It is producing something good in you. It's producing steadfastness and endurance in you. Beginning of last year, weird to say that, January 1st, 2022, I was thinking about a word or phrase for a new year. I don't know if you guys do that too. I don't do it every year, but I just thought we'll switch it up and have a word for the year, for 2022. The one that stuck out is, I'm not even kidding you, you can ask my bestie roommate Rhoda, it was counted all joy. You know what we were reading here? Crazy, right? What's also really wild is that, of course, I had no idea that today I would get the opportunity to preach on it. And then also what I didn't know is how many opportunities I would have in 2022 to count it all joy. And it was not fun. It was not a good time. You know, I was like, could choose a better verse this year. Um, but the verse became really, really real to me and was no longer just a Bible verse to stamp on something beyond my current circumstance. It pointed me to Jesus. When I was convinced that dying was better than living, He sustained me. When I felt empty and dead inside, 
He breathed life back into me. When I was filled with anxiety and couldn't breathe or stay asleep through the night, Jesus sustained me. Yeah, when I was really convinced that I couldn't go on, he kept me. When I doubted his goodness and love toward me because of my suffering, and I told him that he's cruel, and I told him, how can I trust you? He kept me and he loved me and he didn't push me away. His love wasn't shaken. It wasn't shaken for me and it wasn't shaken for you. He is your shepherd, your shield and strength. He knows all your needs and provides for you. He delights in you and he rescues you. You are not condemned. You are chosen by him. You are complete in him. You are being rebuilt, restored, and renewed. All of this is true for those who have said yes to following Jesus, confessing their need for him. When you confess your need for a savior, you get a new identity. You get a new reality. And all of this doesn't just stop at perseverance. We are given a promise, promise of pain, promise to the pain. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James tells us to let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your pain is not pointless. It is not in vain. Everything you've gone through is not for nothing. The Holy Spirit is working it out in you so it will produce something beautiful in you that honestly would never be produced in any other way. With the help and power of the Holy Spirit, you can endure. With His help, you can persevere. With His power working in you, you are being made mature and complete, not lacking anything. What would it look like, Anchor Lincoln, church family, if we viewed all our trials, all our sufferings from big to small and everything in between with this mindset? Can you imagine if we reframed our thinking and our focus? What if we look at our trials and consider this and consider this very thing that we want nothing to do with is the very thing that God is using to make us more like Jesus? Wouldn't that give us reason to rejoice and to stir each other up in that direction and to point each other and to remind each other that would I can't even look at Sydney <laughs> that's my best friend over there sorry um, wouldn't that give us reason to rejoice and celebrate and to encourage one another so happy new year dear church family none of us know what this year will bring because if we're honest we never do and every year we are completely surprised by what's going on. I know life is extremely painful and wonderful. If you find yourself this morning anywhere on that spectrum of wonderful and terrible, please know that you are not alone. God is with you. This is a rich community that you're invited to and it's available for you. We would love to have you be plugged into one of our awesome anchor groups and get to know other people. Invest your time in being with Jesus. 
We were never, ever promised a pain-free life, but we are promised that God will never leave us or forsake us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. Romans 8, 20, nope, something 31 says that. And it gives you all the different way, all the different things. And then you can kind of plug in your situation. And then in case you found a loophole at the end, it says nothing in all creation can separate because it says nor death, nor life, nor this, nor that. And then it says, let me just top it off and say nothing in all creation. Because knowing me, I would like talk my way through that and say like my situation isn't right, right? And I'm like, no, I'm separated from God. But you can hold to that promise this morning that nothing will separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And when you are face to face with your suffering and think you can't go on any longer, endure. For one day, very soon, my brothers and sisters, as James would say, he will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old things will pass away. For he who was seated on the throne says, I am making all things new. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you're so good. Thank you, God. Thank you that this is truth. And we can hold on to this, God, to this promise that you will make all things new for those who trust and believe in you, Jesus. You, you are already making all things new. And one day, everything will be made perfect and right. And we look to heaven. We look to our future hope, knowing that as difficult and as hard as life will get here, we are people with hope a living hope. You are hope, Jesus. You are our living hope. And in moments of despair, we can speak to the despair and say, I have living hope. And the enemy can't destroy me. The enemy cannot destroy my heart and my mind because it belongs to you, Jesus. You will sustain us. You will sustain your people. Holy Spirit, guide our next year. We surrender it to you. We surrender our paths and our plans and we say, have your way, Lord. Have your way in us. We are yours, God. And help us to trust God when it's difficult to trust and when we can't feel you or see you or hear you, God. Thank you that you are so faithful and you hold on to us, God. We are never alone. Even when we just have nothing to give and and no power or nothing, God. You are holding on to us, God. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good. And I just declare over this room right now, there's freedom. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. And He wants to give you a sound mind. He gives you a sound mind. He gives you His mind. So we just thank you, Jesus, and we receive that for the new year, God. Going in with a sound mind in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We stand victorious in you, Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Thank you, God. We love you, God. Amen. Okay, so we're going to transition to communion.